0: Let us pray. Gracious and holy God, we come before you in honor and praise, seeking your holy presence, recognizing your spirit moving amongst us, seeking, Lord, to connect closer with you and perhaps those with whom we gather in worship, whether in person or online. So, Lord, as we come to hear your word, open our hearts, remove distractions, center us, Lord, on your holy presence. Set me aside that it's your voice that's heard loud and clear. In your name we pray. Well, working on this morning's sermon, a song came to mind. Don't worry, I'm not going to sing it. But it was by John Denver, if you remember John Denver. What songs from John Denver might you remember? Well, lots of them this morning. So, I'm, what was it? The uh, Thank God I'm a Country Boy. That, that was the one that, that came to mind, too. Take me home, country road. Leaving on a jet plane and many, many others. Rocky Mountain High is what I want to share this morning, a song that he's sang that describes the majesty and thrill of being high up on the mountain and seen for miles around. As he began to share the song, he described the feeling of joy, peace, and reverence, of being alone, being in nature, and almost feeling the very presence of the Creator Himself. Have you ever had a mountaintop experience? A time in which you felt close to God, perhaps it was a camp, perhaps it was a retreat or some type of moment in community gathering, or perhaps for you, it was just a time alone in nature. I've had a few of these experiences, but one about 10 years ago stands out to me to the most. It was actually a mountaintop experience on top of the mountain. We've been to the Colorado Rockies a few times and they're absolutely beautiful, But if you've ever had the privilege of going to the Canadian Rockies, it absolutely takes your breath away. Susan and I went about 10 years ago and when we were there we did some hiking and some uh, horseback riding. And there's one particular hike that you could only go on the trail if you went with other groups, uh, the danger of bears. And so we met a sheriff of a small town, Colorado town, and his wife. And we joined them on the journey up the mountain. Yelling, no bears, shaking the the rocks to be sure you scared any that might be in the neighborhood. And as we hiked through the trees, we got to a plateau. A beautiful yellow flowers that were, and the sun was shining, and it was a gorgeous day and a wonderful moment. Well, up ahead, just, you know, around the corner, was the peak that we could go to the very top. It didn't look too far away, and so the man and myself decided to hike, and the ladies stayed and enjoyed the time there in the valley. Well, it was one of those times that it was some snow and some ice that got to be more rocks and more snow and more ice, but we were determined to keep climbing. Now, it was nothing like, you know, one of the huge mountains that people climb. but I Pretended Mount Everest, maybe we were hiking up. It was a strenuous journey, but when we got to the top and you looked over the edge, it was one of the most beautiful sights in creation that I've ever experienced in my life for miles. And you could just feel God's presence. It took my breath away and I wanted to stay there. But the clouds were coming in. It was getting to be evening and dark was coming. And our wives were probably wondering where we were. And so back down the mountain we came. I wonder what Peter, James, and John felt as they hung out with Jesus on a hike to the top of the mountain. Where was Jesus taking them? What were they going to experience? What might they encounter? Let's look at this journey together as we turn to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 17, verses 1 through 9. Hope you'll join me in the Bibles you brought those in the pews before you or your devices online. Hope you'll get your scripture too and follow along this morning. Matthew chapter 17, verse 1. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and his brother John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. And his face shone like the sun and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly there appeared to Moses and Elijah talking with him. When the disciples heard this, they fell to the ground and were overcome by fear. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Get up, and do not be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus himself alone. And as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus ordered them, Tell no one about this vision until after the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. As you gather, today is Transfiguration Sunday. Webster defines transfigure as to change form or appearance of. It's also defined as to exalt or glorify. So today we recognize and affirm and celebrate the glory of Christ as he's transfigured on top of the mountain. This is the last Sunday of Epiphany. A time of transition in the movement of the church, the final day in which we focus on the revelation of who Jesus is that began with him as a baby before the Christmas season. We see Jesus as never before. We see Jesus and who he really is. For on the Mount of Transfiguration, we see what Jesus has been proclaiming about himself. If you look at the scripture for this morning and just before it, Peter has declared who Jesus is, the son of the living God. And Jesus has told the disciples that he must go to Jerusalem, where he'll be killed, died, and, resurrection, and resurrected. So why did Jesus go to the mountain? Why did he go on top of the mountain? Matthew doesn't really tell us, but Luke in, this, in the same similar passage begins to offer us perhaps it was a time to pray what a better place in nature outside on top of a mountain to encounter the very living God and spend time in prayer but why did he take Peter James and John why did he invite them to go on this journey ahead we don't know that exactly for sure either but it's a question that I think comes to mind were these the favorite group? Were these people in the encircle and he wanted to spend some special time? Were these perhaps those who needed a special prayer or special affirmation? Whatever reason, the disciples had just learned that Jesus was going to die. And there they get to experience his very living presence. I'm sure this news about Jesus' death wasn't good news for them. Not only for the one they're following, but what would happen to their own life. A reminder that this journey is not all about death, but it's also about glory. Through Jesus, revealed in the end. A moment of affirmation for Jesus, a moment of assurance for the disciples that they could hold on to in the valley ahead. And what a picture we get in the scripture that Jesus' face is shining and his clothes are dazzling white. But then he meets two people, two iconic people. Who were they? Moses and, Moses Elijah. and Elijah. Moses, the, the giver of the Old Testament law, Elijah, the greatest recognized prophet. Interesting, too, that we learn through the scripture that Moses and Elijah had one of their most meaningful experiences ...on a mountaintop too. Remember Moses as he came down from the mountain... ...and was holding the Ten Commandments... ...and his face began to shine. And Elijah on Mount Horeb. God didn't come by in the earthquake or the wind... ...but in what? That still, small voice. Elijah and Moses were the forerunners of the Messiah... And it's here at the moment of his transfiguration that they are also recognized and they point to Jesus as the one to whom to listen to. What an affirmation for the disciples on their journey ahead. What an affirmation to Jesus and an inspiration to those he's with. But this event doesn't end here. We hear God's voice. And what does God's voice say? This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I'm well pleased. Have we heard that before? At the beginning of Jesus' ministry, at the affirmation of who he was, that Jesus says these very words. Beginning his ministry and now toward the end of his ministry, we are assured and we are recognized that Jesus is who he says that he is. And Jesus can now walk the way of the cross with his eyes fixed above. But look back at those words of God. If you got your scripture open, look back at those words of God. Anything that is said here that wasn't said at the baptism, anything that perhaps is added, listen to him. Listen to him. There's to be no confusion that Jesus is not on the same level as Moses and Elijah. They are foundational But now Jesus is the one to turn to. Jesus is the one to listen to. Jesus is the one to build your faith upon and continue in the future together. Christ tells us in his own words that he came to fulfill the law. The disciples can only look through the Old Testament now to see who they are and what they are called to do. Jesus has become your director. And as we read this story, I can't help but focus on Peter for a moment. Perhaps for you, you, find those people in the scriptures you relate to, and I know Peter is one of those that I relate to also. Poor Peter, he's trying so hard. Upon this foundation, Christ seeks to build his church, but he's always sticking his foot into his mouth. Here on the mountaintop, in the very presence of Moses and Elijah, is no exception. Peter wants to build something. He wants to build some booths. He wants to build some tabernacles. He wants to hang out there for a while, right? Who wouldn't? One for Moses, one for Elijah, one for Jesus. Peter was a man of action, but sometimes he acts before he thinks. He was wanting to do something, build something, something that's appropriate, something that's needed. But sometimes we just need to stop. Sometimes we just need to listen. Sometimes we just need to be still. Sound familiar for you? This was probably a moment when Peter just needed to sit, listen, and absorb. But Peter wanted to prolong the moment. He started off his words to Jesus with, It's good to, for us to be here. Sure, what an awesome moment to hang out with Jesus and Moses and Elijah. Lot to learn. But we recognize that mountaintop experiences must come to an end. And this is one is no exception. Jesus, Peter, James, and John come down from the mountain. They can't live in the mountaintop experience. We can't always live in the mountaintop experiences. But we can take them with us. Hear that. We can take those moments and those experiences with us, and we can live out of them. This experience perhaps prepared these disciples for the temptation and trials that they are about to face in their own life, in their own journey. Our mountaintop experiences can do the same for us. They're not just pictures, but they're moments, perhaps holy moments, that sustain us and strengthen us for the days ahead. Now what's interesting of this moment, what's interesting of this miracle, what's interesting of this transfiguration of Jesus is it's not a new miracle. But it's really the pause of an ongoing one. If Jesus is God's son, which he is, if Jesus has the glory of God, which he does, then how has he been able in all his ministry to hide that glory, for that glory not to shine forth out? And so we get a glimpse today in this moment, in this story of who Jesus really is. The word transfigured is very interesting. It comes from the word metamorphosis. It means to transform or change into another form. It also means to change on the outside to match the inside. In the case of Jesus, it means to match the outside with the reality of the inside. To change the outward so that it matches the inward reality. Jesus' glory had been veiled as Hebrews 10 tells us. And the transfiguration became a glimpse of that glory. The very presence of God personified in the face of Jesus. As we come to the end of this season of Epiphany, as we prepare for a new season ahead, Wednesday. May we be assured that we are indeed following the Son of God. May we be assured that the one whom we seek to grow closer to is the very presence and the reality of God himself through Jesus Christ. And through our trials and temptations and heartaches, may we stop, remember those mountaintop experiences, whether it's one we've experienced or one that we have been witness to, such as today. That we don't get too busy. We don't get caught up in the surroundings and miss the holy moment in which God reveals himself to us. I recognize we've got to come down from the mountain. I recognize we can't stay up there forever. But I also recognize that we don't have to leave the experience there. That we can yearn for that same presence of God and Christ with us here being assured of those moments in which he's offered himself to us. Jesus told his disciples to wait, to wait to tell the story to his resurrection. But then he said, go and share the good news. So as we experience those moments of God, as we experience him close to us, whether it's on a vacation up in the top of a mountain or whether it's in our backyard or in our homes and in our hearts we're offered an opportunity to share that very same experience because we don't know who might be needing to hear it to. It's a message the world needs to know. You've heard it today. What are you going to do with it? To whom might you take it? To whom might need to hear it? Perhaps it's us. The name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Lord, we recognize your presence in our hearts, in our life, in our church, in our community. (coughs) Forgive us when we don't. But Lord, we absolutely recognize the desperate need that so many have for it. So perhaps it's through us that your light, that our candle might shine to them. Perhaps, Lord, there's a light in their life that needs to be relit. So help our lights to burn bright that we may pass it on to others in your name, in your presence, for your glory. In your name we pray.